This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Forces that hold offices in the church have been litigating various, really non-issues within the church for quite some time now, using very real problems to do so. And they've been targeting things like clerical celibacy requirements, the role of women in the hierarchy, and the timeless teachings on that sin that James Martin has an unhealthy interest in, given that he's a priest. These issues are all related, because the modernists often argue that a married priesthood is the solution to the Ted McCarrick problem, showing that many people literally do not understand what the cause of that problem was in the first place, and how allowing for a married clergy with, we'll call them, natural inclinations, does not solve the problem of priests like Ted McCarrick, who have James Martin inclinations and are evil on top of that. The two problems are not related to each other, but people conflate the issues and think the nuptial sacrament and engaging in activities of the flesh suitable to the married state will solve this problem and the larger vocations crisis in the church. That misunderstanding looms over a story that broke in the news this past week that hasn't really gotten enough attention. A group of laity managed to get their hands on the cellular data usage of priests in various dioceses, and they've discovered that many are using uh, what we'll call dating apps, including ones of a James Martin variety. Dating apps here is a euphemism. These apps are designed to facil facilitate clandestine meetings where sins of the flesh are indulged in. Sins that would be sins for anyone involved, but for the clergy are especially sinful, given the requirements of their vocations. This story broke through the Washington Post, who was not happy that this group of laymen that we'll talk about here today were exposing what essentially were corrupt priests in the priesthood. The story is all too real and touches on all of us given the nature of it, so let's just get into it. Headline from CatholicCulture.org Washington Post rips lay Catholic group for divulging priests' online habits. I'm not surprised the Washington Post objects to this tactic in keeping the church clean and clear of more Ted McCarrick's in our midst. The Post's objection is going to be based on this implication. The priests were using James Martin-type dating apps for the most part, and there's nothing wrong with having men with those kind of inclinations in the priesthood. Or so, that's the Post's argument. Obviously, what a secular outlet thinks about the church is irrelevant, especially one who's um, extremely biased in everything it does. But the laity in question are interested in keeping people safe and making sure the clergy act and live like Catholic priests. The bishops have failed to police their own priests, so a group of laymen took it upon themselves to do it. From the article, quote, A nonprofit foundation established by lay Catholics has furnished U.S. bishops with data linking priests with online uh, James Martin dating services, the Washington Post reports. The Post, in a critical investigative story, reports that the Catholic-based group, Catholic Laity and Clergy for Renewal, CLCR, quote, has spent millions of dollars to buy mobile app tracking data that identified priests who used James Martin dating and hookup apps and then shared it with bishops around the country. But the president of the foundation, Jade Henricks, a former official of the U.S. Bishops' Conference, explains that CLCR has much broader purposes and programs, and the delivery of data from the services in question was only a part of its services. His explanation in an article for First Things provides a very different picture of the group's activities. CLCR was founded in 2019 by lay Catholics who were appalled by the scandal centered on former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. The founders of CLCR, Henrik says, 
explored ways in which the laity might be better assist bishops to identify healthy environments for priests and models to allow the parishes and dioceses to flourish, while helping to spot dangers that could lead to more scandal and heartache for the church down the line. The founders quickly settled on a data-driven approach. After all, Henrik's reasons, data is used by all major corporations, so why not the church? The group began to analyze the available data on the reasons why young Catholics leave the church, the spiritual formation of young seminarians, and the liturgical experiences of Catholic parishes. End quote. Okay, so it's kind of disturbing that browsing data can be bought that easily by anyone with the resources to do it and the know-how and how to get a hold of it. I'd honestly favor an act of Congress restricting how data can be bought and sold, though I don't personally object to its use here. Honest question, do you object to laymen buying the cellular data of Catholic priests in an effort to weed out future McCarricks from the clergy? Let me know in the comments if you do, because I suspect people will be all over the place on this issue, and I think there's a reasonable place to be for this use of it and against it. But the group at the center of this is Catholic Laity and Clergy for Renewal. They formed in 2019 in the aftermath of the Ted McCarrick story being broken. As you'll recall, McCarrick's influence in 2019 was exposed along with his depravity. And actually, that started happening in 2018. It turned out that quite a few bishops, cardinals, and yes, even popes knew about Ted McCarrick, and no one really did anything about it until the clamor for justice grew so loudly that even Francis had to act against him, reducing him to the lay state. This despite Francis's track record before McCarrick and yes, after McCarrick of protecting men just like him from the secular authorities. See the case of the Argentinian bishop Zanqueta as another example of this, or of Father Rupnik, the Jesuit priest with an unholy taste for nuns from this year. Jade Henricks, writing in First Things, he's one of the figures key to the story, describes the early work of Catholic laity and clergy for renewal, who conducted research on the life of seminarians and found that technology and social media in their first year harmed their vocations. They put technology to the service of the church by gathering data on why people leave the Catholic church. This led to the darker side of information gathering. So from his article on First Things, for his side of the story, quote, All of us know that limitless connectivity, boundless access to information and content, can become an instrument of sinfulness, just as easily as it can help build up our society. Furnishing an obscene content and even criminal content is a risk to the church and her children, as it is to the rest of society. Indeed, as repeated scandals have shown, the danger is more acute because of the church's privileged position as the guardian of souls and the door of salvation. When we learned legal ways to understand risks to the health of the church beset by technology, including the use of dating apps by clerics, we studied that. We learned some things, and we shared what we learned directly with bishops. Without setting any expectations, we made information available to the leaders of the church. Part of our work, we've now learned, has come to the attention of the Washington Post. Not traditionally an outlet with much regard for the church, understanding of how she works and what she teaches. To them, the Washington Post, it seems, lay Catholics working with clergy one at the service of the other is something sinister, and only understandable through a secular political lens and the narrative of a culture war. As they and similar secular outlets usually do, when trying to talk about Catholic issues, the Post has fixated on a small part of what we do. Anything that touches on the flesh. According to them, it seems, you can, and even should, have 
all the activities of the flesh you like with whomever and however you wish. But discussing what the effects of this might be for our physical and mental health, to say nothing of our spiritual well-being, is somehow weird and obsessive. I disagree, and so does the church. Ignoring the importance and reality of the human nature of these activities and its expression isn't healthy, and pretending problems aren't there only stores up worse trouble for everyone, as we have all too painfully learned. It's true. As part of our data analysis work, we learned that some clergy were publicly advertising their interest in actions that contradicted their promises of celibacy. Sadly, in some places, we could scarcely avoid seeing it. And there have been news reports about priests arrested for criminal use of such apps. All of that is a problem. One we as a church can choose to acknowledge and confront or not. End quote. Mr. Henricks goes on to say that they were, they, the meaning the organization here, were given publicly available data. And this data shows that enough priests are living impure lives not in keeping with their vocations that the bishops need to act. This should be a cautionary tale for everyone, by the way. Your phone data and internet data are publicly available for anyone who wants to see if they've got the money and the know-how on getting it. Keep that in mind, folks, especially if you have impure internet habits that you go to confession for. If you don't go to confession for them, fix that today. That data is all too readily available for anyone who wants it, and they can ruin your life with it if they so chose. Obviously, the clergy shouldn't be using dating apps of any kind, regular or of the James Martin variety, yet many do, and they do so until now without repercussion. Now, you might be asking, why did this organization make the data public? Here's the thing, they didn't. The Washington Post somehow found out and made their work public, probably from a leak within a chancery office somewhere. Quote, Knowing all this and understanding what the data showed, I met with a handful of rectors and bishops, telling them what we've learned and leaving them to act as they discerned best. At no time did I make information available for public use. That, to me, isn't a work of service to the church. Rather, I left it to the proper authority of rectors and bishops to act prudentially. Of course, if we were going to be of genuine help to the church, we had to do so within the boundaries of the law, including law of, on data and privacy and we were meticulous to ensure that we were doing things by the book. We developed policies, such as mandatory reporting to law enforcement should we discover any illegality, like the like harming the most vulnerable. Thankfully, we did not discover any such cases, thanks be to God. We hoped to keep this work private so as to be able to have honest and frank conversations with church leaders and protect the privacy of those affected. The Washington Post, it seems, has a different view. To them, discussions about the flesh and celibacy, sin and salvation are just fodder for clicks and titillation for readers. Collaborative intent and pastoral discernment are, to professionals in partisan politics, sinister and secretive. We see things differently. Our work has always been a labor of love and a work of service, practical and spiritual. It's a blessing to be able to offer constructive help on issues like parish life, formation, and church administration. And even the, mo the more difficult areas of those conversations have been an impetus for us as Catholic laity and clergy for renewed rule to pray and fast with our priests. All any Catholic of goodwill wants is a strong and thriving church for the good of souls at the service of our society. End quote. Folks, don't blame Mr. Henricks and his organization for publicizing what should have been an internal matter between the bishops and the priests. Instead, Blame the muckrakers who wanted this to be public. 
I wish I wasn't talking about this with you now. Pray for the lady in this organization. Pray for the priests involved and that they realize the error of their ways and make amends under the guidance of their bishop and pray that the bishops overseeing them have the courage to enforce the laws of God and his church and the norms and canons of the code of canon law in this situation. But I am curious what you think about this story. I suspect you're going to have opinions all over the board here. So let me know in the comments, please. Keep it civil, please. Let's not go after each other for having a different take on this. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.